We are now joined by Chris Axman, head of the Almighty Baller Podcast Network. Chris, how are you doing today? I'm excellent, man. I'm glad to join you. Well, glad to have you on the show. So we're going to get right into it. We're going to start off with the baseline. And now it's time for the baseline. Today's baseline, I thought that we would talk about some hot and cold teams, which we've done pretty often on the show sometimes. Uh, since we haven't had a show for uh, two weeks, um, there are a lot of you know a lot of things have changed with uh, most of these teams. Um, so I just want to get your thoughts on some of the teams that we're going to talk about. Um, the first one, the Golden State Warriors, obviously a hot team right now. Um, in the past week, they've destroyed the Cavs, the Thunder, and the Rockets all on national TV. Uh, and then they killed the Magic today, as expected. Um, they've won seven straight games. They have the best offense and the best defense in the league at this point. And they're actually on pace for 71 wins. So, I mean, what have you seen from the Warriors in the past week? And also, do you think that they can get to 73 wins again? Yeah, I mean, they can. They definitely could. Uh, I, I said at the start of the season that it might be one of those things where they sort of shut it down at the end just to not deal with the pain that would happen if they did get to 73 wins again, because then you're, then you're setting it up. It's like, if you get to the finals and you're the Warriors and you beat your 72 win record, right? And you lose again, then the trauma there would be like, they should just stop. They should just stop playing basketball. Everyone should retire on the team. Um, like Draymond should like move to another country, like some somewhere down South, you know, tropical and just be a hermit for the rest of his life and like never show his face again. Um, Uh same thing with like everyone on that team. It would be traumatic. So I, if I was the Warriors, I would, I would basically take everyone out and pull out all the troops when I get to 71 wins and just make for absolute certain that I don't break 72. Right. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I could honestly see that. And honestly, I think that it would just be better for them to just rest their guys down the stretch anyways, because last year in the playoffs, they did kind of look worn out. Um, of course, Steph had some injury problems. But yeah, uh, I agree with you. I think they I mean, I think obviously they could get 73, but I don't think they're going to even bother to try to get it. I think um, they could get 73 because, I mean, their biggest issue, which was Zaza. I mean, they've essentially fixed that. I mean, Zaza. The problem was they tried to plug him into a Bogut role last year, and that didn't work so hot because just as an intimidator, Zaza is just not intimidating. So, But Zaza, when he was on the Bucks, they had the second-best defense in the league, and the way that they were playing Zaza is like basically showing on pick and rolls and getting him up there to sort of you know use him positionally as a wall so you can't just get right to the basket. And what that also meant on the Bucks is that Giannis could play help defense because it's not like boom, you're right at the rim. So basically now, I mean, Kevin Durant is getting 50 blocks because, I mean, if Damian Lillard or anyone does get by Zaza, which, you know, Zaza will maybe allow, but cut off the easiest route at least, you've got plenty of time if you're Kevin Durant to just come in there and and say, maybe you shouldn't do that because I'll block you. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, they fixed most of their issues. I mean, obviously, they already have the best offense, which we expected. They also have the best defense already. Um, So they look like they're pretty much on cruise control right now. Uh, The next team I want to talk about, the Utah Jazz. Six straight wins. They have the second-best defense and actually have the ninth-best offense, even with all these injuries they've dealt with this season. I guess my question is, do you think they're going to get the fourth seed now with the uh, Clippers injuries? Well, I think actually probably the better question is, can they get up to the third seed? 
I think that they might be. I mean, they'll absolutely get past the Clippers. The Clippers are the Clippers are in some hot water right now. Oh yeah. Um, I mean, uh, it, it, who's their best player right now? Because if it's Austin Rivers, that is <laughs> that is a nightmare. Oof, that I is mean, sad. yeah, right. Like, uh, I mean, it's DeAndre Jordan. But besides but, that, I guess it's I guess it's Austin Rivers. So yeah, I mean, I I think that you know can can they get up and deal with the Rockets? Um, I think the Rockets are going to be super high variance. You know, like if they go through yeah. a stretch where they get super cold, then We've sure, seen it. yeah. The I mean, the Jazz could take over that spot if the Rockets get super cold. Um, and in which case they'd be up at the third seed. I still don't think that they would be a contender at that point. I'd still rather be the Rockets going in as the fourth seed. But, I mean, the Jazz are really good. Yeah, I mean, I was really high in the Jazz before the season started, and they're finally somewhat healthy at a, on a consistent basis now. Um, and I think they're going to get the fourth seed for sure. I think that they'll probably miss out on the third seed by a couple of games, um, just because I think the Rockets, they've had a pretty bad week, and they still went you know, three and two. And they still can get some wins without, you know, relying completely on their shooting. But I want to talk about the Spurs because they've won three straight. They're seven and three in their last ten. Kawhi Leonard has six straight thirty-point games, including that monster forty-one-point game to win in Cleveland. I think he's re-emerging as the MVP candidate because, you know, before the season started, a lot of people had Kawhi. Then the first couple of weeks went by, and people kind of just stopped mentioning him in the MVP race. He's right back uh, in the race seriously. And I think my question is, is, are they the only threat to the Warriors or are they even a threat to the Warriors, really? Well, I think the biggest threat to the Warriors is the Rockets. And I talked about this on Twitter the other day. You know, if you really want to scare the Warriors, you've got to hit threes at an elite rate, which is something that the Cavs could do. And you've got to have a player who can be on any given game the best player on the court, which... You know, I, I personally think that probably on a greater scale, Kevin Durant is better than James Harden. Probably Steph is too, even at his like slightly less Steph rate. But James Harden absolutely, over the course of four games, could be the best player on the court game after game. So they hit all their threes, then they're fine. And if James Harden dominates, then they're fine. Who's that guy for the Spurs? I mean, how the question is like, can they put a you know, super switchable defense out there. I'm I'm not sure that they can. So if you're just going to get destroyed by the Warriors on defense, which might be an inevitable thing, then how are you going to respond on offense? And I think that, you know, that's, that's a problem. Yeah. And I mean, I don't want to point this out, but there have been concerns about Kawhi taking over games in the playoffs recently. I mean, especially last season against the, in that series against the Thunder. Um, not saying that he couldn't not take over a series, but you know, I think he took think, over last night against the Cavs. Oh yeah, he definitely did. Um, so he has the, he has those moments, and he could probably put that together for a series. But I mean, they can clearly get exposed when they have Gasol on the floor. Um, if they're not dominating inside with Aldridge and Gasol, then playing Gasol is basically useless because um, he can't really do anything on defense to stop the Warriors, especially if they go small. Um, so I think that the Spurs are a threat to the Warriors. Um, I think the Rockets could be a threat to the Warriors, though. I have some concerns about the Rockets having watched them all the time. Um, uh, but that's a whole other story. Um, the final hot team I want to talk about is a team that I never thought would make the hot team list. The Philadelphia 76ers. What? Why would you say that, man? Why didn't you trust the process? I, I trusted, I've been trusting the process for a long time. I've believed in MB, but I, I never thought that they would go 7-3 and three in, the, in a 10-game stretch. Um, yeah. 
I mean, really, isn't the difference, the only difference in this Sixers team and the one that started the year is that you have eight extra minutes of Embiid. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> and I'm going to give a shout-out to Ilya Silva, who's been playing really well, actually. Ah, uh, whatever. He's, he's someone the Thunder could have should have kept, but that's a whole other story. Um, yeah, well, I mean, I, th- I think that both sides of that deal got, got yeah. something, you know? Um, yeah. And I mean, with the 76ers, it's just like, you know, the other big difference, it's not just Embiid. You know, TJ McConnell, right? Yeah. First of all, when he hit that buzzer beater, right, over Carmelo, I I was just like, this is I this is another human here. I can empathize with this person. <laughs> like he's <laughs> look at he was he jumped and like did the Michael Jordan fist pump and I was like, I love this guy. But like, oh. you know, and, and this is trite to say because it's like everyone says that the little white guy is scrappy. But the little white guy's scrappy. He won't die on screens, which is huge, right? I mean, yeah. I think it was 2011 when Sherwood Strauss had this article that was like, you know, point guard defense doesn't matter. But the game has changed so much that you can't go under screens, which you used to be able to. You have to be willing to go fight, fight through a screen and really contest a shot on a pull-up because if the center has to deal with that, then that's a problem, right? And TJ will fight over screens. If he can get by, he will. And that's something that guys like Moutier just, Moutier does not do that. Damien does not do that. So, I mean, I think at this point, the way that the NBA has changed, your point guard is, you're probably, or whoever's guarding your point guard, because it might be Tony Allen, is the second most important defender on the court. And I mean, I, I think that he's a big step up in the starting lineup. Yeah, it's been a nice change. Um, I mean, when Embiid plays, the Sixers have the number one defense in the league, which is oh just insane. Um, and they're only five and a half games out of the A seed. Not saying they're going to make it, but you know, are, they're are keeping you, up there. Come on now. I mean, I, I think I think you put in the outline that we're going to talk about this later, but I mean, yes. I, I think they are. We'll talk about this later in a diff in a different you know, circumstance of them passing teams ahead of them, but. Um, I mean, right now they're on pace for 29 wins, I think. I mean, if they keep playing like this, they're surely going to get above 30 wins, which is a 20-game improvement over last season. So the process is in full effect right now. Yeah. Well, no, it's not yet. I mean, what about when Simmons returns? Yeah, they don't even have Ben Simmons yet. Uh, So we'll have to watch that. Um, All right, let's move to some cold teams because there seriously are some struggling teams in the league. Um, Start off with the Bucks. They've lost five straight. They're 3-7 and in their last 10. I mean, um, they're if they keep playing like this, they're going to be in jeopardy of missing the playoffs. Because I think that, I mean, I think the Pistons can still turn it around. I'm still one of those people who believe in the Pistons. Um, obviously, you got the Pacers, you've got the Bulls. Who I don't even I don't trust the Bulls, but you never know. Um, Jimmy Butler could just take over for like a couple of weeks and then put them in the playoffs. Um, but you know, amid all this hoopla about you know Giannis and, and Jabari's improvement, they've lost five straight. I mean, what do you notice from the Bucks in the past couple? weeks basically well so i think that right now the way that the nba is if you want to have an elite offense you take a ton of threes and if you want an elite defense you should have rudy gobert um <laughs> I, they have some plumley i think it's miles plumley uh and, yeah. and john henson i think he's okay you know i don't think he's a starting center um so their defense it, it's going to be really hard even with a guy like Giannis to have an elite defense if you're the Bucks, And then on yeah. offense, they just don't have elite three-point shooters. So um, I, I I thought that the Bucks were going to struggle going into the season. And to your yeah. point, I think I thought that the Pistons were going to be a lot better. Um, 
I although you know I I would take the Bucks in the playoffs over the Pistons, but they have to get there, and you know yeah. I'm not positive that's going to happen. Yeah, when Middleton went down, I, I was pretty confident the Bucks would miss the playoffs. And right, I was pretty, right, that I was, was the thing. Yeah, I was high on the Pistons enough to I think I had them as like the fifth seed going in because I just thought that there would be internal improvement over I the last too. season. Yeah. Um, I mean, the Bucks have the 19th ranked defense and the 10th ranked offense. So, I mean, it's the defense that's kind of killing them. But um, if they could just improve that defense to, like, league average and keep that top 10 offense, I mean, I feel like they'd be able to make the playoffs. But I mean, what, what's been- happening is the same thing that, that is happening to the Timberwolves right now. You know, they're all – they're young guys, right? I yeah. mean, you're starting a rookie. Giannis is still – I think he's, like, 21 or 22, which is scary, <laughs> so right? scary. <laughs> Jabari is – since he broke his leg in his rookie year and only played – half of one game he's essentially a sophomore right so you're starting a rookie a sophomore a 21 year old uh you know and then some center you know out of their grab bag of centers who are paid too much so it's just uh you know chris middleton is a steadying force for them and when he went down uh yeah you know they lost a big component of their team and uh you know it's fine though you know they're young and they're gonna add middleton next year and we'll see what this team can do yeah, I mean, they still have a lot of potential. Like, I, I still wouldn't count them out of missing the playoffs. I still think they could actually squeak in, probably over the Bulls. Yeah. But, um, yeah, they've got. I mean, they've got years to figure things out. You know, completely. Um, another cold team, the Sacramento Kings, which is a team that has made this list quite often. Woof. Uh, they've lost five straight. They now have Rudy Gay out for the season, and they're just now. Now is they went on a one and six home stand, and now they have to go on a I think a six or seven game road trip. And they lost to the Bulls in that controversial uh, foul, no foul on Cousins last night. Um, it's going to get ugly in Sacramento. Um, it's going to get ugly. That's all I can say. <laughs> Listen, man, Embiid plus Rudy Gay, that that has a positive on-court effect, right? That, that has a positive point differential. Cousins, though, in of himself does not. There, I mean, yeah. I, I think that they, at this point, might not have a positive lineup. That's it's Rudy Gay's had an underrated season. He's been really, really, yes. really, really good. You know, I mean, mm-hmm. he he's always been talented, but he's taken shots outside of the offense. Um, and now, at least when he forces shots, which he is prone to do, he is motivated by twenty million dollars. But <laughs> now he's down, and I just it, yeah, it's going to get really bad. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see because of this injury if he takes the player option. Uh, next season let me um, ask you man who's the second best player on the kings without you mean not including gay yeah not including gay oh man oh god i mean i think it's garrett temple and that's bad news he's had a, he's had a good season temple has had a good no, season. no he has but it's yeah no that is bad news of course <laughs> i'm not trying to justify that it's not bad news but I'm, i i want to say temple has had a nice underrated season um but yeah, it's going to get ugly for the Kings. I don't, I don't even want to spend time talking about how depressing their situation is going to be. Yeah. Um, all right, let's move on to both Los Angeles teams. Let's start off with the Clippers, who we just talked about briefly before. They've only lost two straight, but I mean, they've been ugly losses. And, you know, without CP3, we know they've struggled over the past couple of seasons without Chris Paul. Um, do you think they're going to fall to the sixth or seventh seed, or is that too too much of a drop-off? Um. Well, so... Who's I mean we'll have the same conversation that we just had about the uh about the Kings we'll have it now about the Clippers who's their second best player. I think we hinted at that. Yeah. 
Um, <laughs> I mean, it might be Austin Rivers. I would say I would confidently say it's Rivers behind Jordan now, if you're not including Blake Griffin. So, <laughs> yeah, this is really yeah. Sad. I mean, they could fall to the seventh seed. I mean, uh, the seventh seed right now is that the Thunder or is it the Grizzlies? It's, well, they're the Thunder is percentage points ahead of the Grizzlies, so it's the Grizzlies at seven. But th- those are the two teams, right? Yeah, I mean, they might fall to the eighth seed. Well, the thing is that the thing is that separating so the Clippers are, t- are the four seed right now, tied with the Jazz, and the difference between the fifth and the sixth seed is three and a half games. The difference between the seventh and the eighth seed is six games. Well, uh, so I, I mean, think they could, yeah, still. I think they could definitely fall to the seventh seed. I don't think they're going to fall to the eighth seed because the eighth seed is just a train wreck. From no matter who's in the in the spot, no matter what day of the week it is. Um, <laughs> But all the Clippers, have, I mean, the Clippers are three and a half games out of the seventh seed right now. And the way they're playing, I mean, even if they get Blake back, they still haven't been good without Chris Paul with Blake. Yeah, I I mean, I think that they're a real threat to slip to the eighth seed. Um, I think that they'll probably land at the seventh seed because um, I... I I, I think that the Grizzlies have demonstrated that whoever's starting at three just doesn't really matter as long as you can bring uh, Randolph off the bench and then start Tony Allen, Conley, and Marcus Hall. So assuming that nothing happens there, they'll be fine. I mean, what, what would keep the Clippers at the seventh seed is that the Thunder can't maintain this level of success. And I think they probably will, though. You know, I mean, I, I think the Thunder have found out how to win, and it's a real way to win. So... If the Thunder, yeah, if the Thunder survived the rest of January, because um, I know their January schedule has been and, and is still brutal for like the next week, um, if they can just survive this uh, remaining January schedule, which I'm pulling up right now to kind of see how actually brutal it is. Um, so the Thunder for the rest of January have at Utah, at New Orleans, versus Dallas, at Cleveland, at San Antonio. If they can win two or three of those games their February schedule is, is not that hard. And then I think that they'll probably finish above. But uh, if the Clippers do fall to the seventh seed, that is a dangerous seventh seed right there for the Spurs. Or even if they fall to the sixth seed, that's a dangerous team for the Rockets. Or even if they fall to the eighth seed, I know the Warriors love to beat on them, but that is still a pretty dangerous low seed team. Yeah, I I, I don't know. It is It is dangerous, but... If they're healthy, of course. But I mean, that's that's what the playoffs are. I mean, you still, I mean, I, I'm not sure that I think that the Clippers, even after they get Chris Paul back and even after they get Blake Griffin fully healthy and fully okay, I mean, still, like the Grizzlies are scary and the Clippers have historically fallen apart at crucial times and they're going to be dealing with continuity issues. They're going to be working players into lineup trying to deal with the fact that they have the worst bench or one of the worst benches in the league it's just you know i I don't know i i think the compelling argument for playoff success from the clippers is hard to make and uh yeah so we'll see i mean it's it's too bad because you know this was important for them to do well this year and i'm not sure how it's going to happen yeah and honestly i mean i don't like wish them you know bad luck or bad or not a lot of success, but it does make it more interesting in terms of what Chris Paul and Blake Griffin will do in free agency. Well, are you from Houston? No, I'm not from Houston. Okay. Where, where, where are you from? I thought you were a Rockets fan. 
I am a Rockets fan, but I'm, I'm from New York City. Long okay. story. Man. Um, okay, well, <laughs> uh, if you're a Rockets fan, I mean, of course you want the Clippers to be bad because, I mean, Blake Griffin, man. Yeah, I mean, that would involve, you know, probably trading Anderson. And I'm not saying that Anderson is better than Griffin, but it would be interesting what they could get for Anderson, who's, who's about to be, who has three years remaining on a $20 million per year contract for a guy who is valuable to the Rockets, but may not be as valuable to other teams in the league. Um, so, you know, it's it, we're going to have to watch out for the Clippers. If they get eliminated in the first round pretty easily, I think CP3 has to leave to get, he has to make a conference finals, that a player of that kind of status. Blake Griffin, on the other hand, I think is like one of those players who's supremely talented, but no one's going to be like, oh, he never made a conference finals or something like that. I think that probably Blake Griffin will stay in LA because, yeah. I mean, he's directing or producing White Man yeah. Can't Jump. Like he, yeah. he is really into all of that stuff. Chris Paul's really into winning. I think he's going to yeah. be a spur. I yeah, I could definitely see that, but it's a lot of speculation. Uh, let's move on to the Lakers, the other LA team, three and seven in the last ten. They're only percentage points ahead of the Suns for last in the West. They're 16 and 32. So remember that 10 and 10 start that has quickly uh, fallen. Um, I mean, it's definitely, I think it's tank time for sure because they're 2017 first rounders, top three protected. Otherwise, it goes to the Sixers. Um, just how bad do you think the Lakers are going to finish this season? Man, Luke Walton is a miracle worker, right? <laughs> he, he, he knows, right? This tank that he's executing right now is beautiful. Right, he knows the Lakers need to keep their pick this year. Um, yeah. I mean, D'Angelo's great. Uh, Jordan Clarkson, though, I mean, I think he even knows that he probably shouldn't be a starter on a playoff team. <laughs> um, and, and you know, I mean, he's a great guy off the bench, the first guard off the bench. But I mean, the Lakers like need to lose, and the more that they lose, the better the Lakers' prospects are in the future. Because, I mean. Crap! Like, what? Uh, wouldn't Lonzo Ball be awesome next to D'Angelo? Or, I mean, God forbid, Markel Fultz. I mean, that. But they do need one more guy, I think, to their core. And I think you know, with Luol Deng down, Mozgov being kind of bad, um, and their team so young. Like, if they don't like push the pedal on this tank thing, then they're making a huge mistake. So yeah. I think you know. I mean, they're going down, I think. Yeah, they're, oh. they're, they're going down pretty fast. Um, so, yeah, those are the cold and hot teams um, on today's edition of The Baseline. And our next segment, Full Court Press, we're going to talk about all-star reserves, um, mainly because I'm writing an article currently for Hoops Habit, you know, that is that is discussing my all-star game reserves. Get ready, because it's time for the Full Court Press. <laughs> So I'll throw out my East reserves, and then you can throw out your East reserves if they're any different than mine. Um, but for the backcourt, I've got uh, Isaiah Thomas and Kyle Lowry, who I think should have been the starting backcourt, but that's another discussion. Same. Um, Frontcourt, Kevin Love, Paul Millsap, and Joel Embiid. And uh, the wild cards, John Wall and Kemba Walker. Are yours the exact same or anyone different? Um, well, so I, I mean, I probably would have put Isaiah Thomas as a wild card and said that I might've started wall, you know, That's a, um, yeah, me too. uh, or I guess actually I would have put DeMar DeRozan as a wild card and then kept Thomas <laughs> Lowry as the backcourt. Um, I, you know, I, 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 Isaiah Thomas is great. You know, there's some issues there. 
The only change I have, though, real change as far as guys going out and guys coming in, is Paul George instead of Millsap. Yeah, I, I was debating that for a while. I kind of, I just, I just really like Millsap. I just, I don't know, it was kind of biased of me. I really, like I, I like him game. too. I like him too a lot. But I mean, who's better though? Yeah, I think George is a better player. Um, I don't know. Something about the Pacers' season so far has kind of like not turned me off from from George, but. It's kind of dampened my view, I feel like. Um, I feel like coming into the season, you could have argued that he was on the same level as Jimmy Butler, and then now I think that Butler has taken off to another level, and George is kind of like at the same level. I mean, he's um, playing out of position, though. Yeah, and I guess Millsap actually, Millsap actually had a, a pretty declining year so far, but even then, I just kind of chose Millsap because I just love his game. <laughs> Not a good reason, but that's what <laughs> happened. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, I... Uh... It's it's the all stars, and I think that legacy is a thing. And Paul George is just probably, you know, if you take like a snapshot of the last five years, you would rather have Paul George than yeah. Millsap. And then as far as Joel Embiid, um, it's the all star game. Joel Embiid is the perfect all star. He's so fun. Like, who doesn't so- want to see Joel Embiid play in the all star game? If he if he doesn't end up being an all star, that would be th- terrible. That would be awful. He needs to be like, you know, Shaq, uh, for anyone who was like watching Shaq, you remember when Shaq was, you know, did that whole dance in front of Dwight Howard and then schooled him and did like a break dance thing. I mean, Shaq's like a riot and Joel Embiid is, is he's an all-star. That's what he is. You know, he needs to be there sooner rather than later. And the argument that, that, that people make is like, well, he'll have plenty of time. We don't know that if he breaks his foot. Right. I mean, yeah. Like, how awful would it be if he barely misses the all-star game this year and, you know, at the start of next season, he breaks his foot and his future's thrown into question again. I mean, people, it's like, what? Millsap? Yeah. Like, whatever, you know? Yeah. Uh, I mean, but even Embiid's production, just like when he's on the court, he just, he's, he's all-star worthy contributions for the Sixers. I mean, with him, they're a pretty competent team. Without him, they're a disaster. Um I mean, you look at his numbers, they're just, they're, I mean, incredible. I mean, he's only playing 25, basically 25 minutes a game. He's got the minutes restriction. I know people argue, oh, he's already had to sit out 12 games, blah, blah, blah. He doesn't play enough, blah, blah, blah. I don't want to hear that argument. I want to hear yeah. about what he does when he's on the court. Um, and when he's on the court, he's been playing really well. Um, if he ever does end up playing 36 minutes a night, which I doubt, but he'll probably get close to that. His per 36-minute num- stats this season, 28 points per game, 11 rebounds per game, three and a half blocks per game. Like, are you kidding me? Those are like those yeah. are better numbers than DeMarcus Cousins. <laughs> um, so, and come on. Embiid is just the embodiment of an all-star game. I mean... Yeah, exactly. He just, he just embodies all-star games. I mean, so, yeah, that's why I had to put him. Um, all right, for the West. Um, obviously, backcourt, I have Westbrook. <laughs> Uh, which is just a whole other story. Um, and then I put CP3 with a Mike Conley injury replacement. Um, and then the front court, DeMarcus Cousins, Rudy Gobert, Draymond Green, with the wild cards being Marcus Gasol and Gordon Hayward. Uh, what are your West Western Conference uh, reserves? So I actually had a lot more changes this time. Um, instead of CP3, instead of having Conley as CP3's replacement, I would have had Damian Lillard. Um mm-hmm. I mean, 
for as important as it is to have good point guard defense. Like, I mean, if Damian Lillard played defense like Mike Conley, then that would be a big deal. But also, I mean, if Tony Allen played defense like CJ McCollum, or if CJ played defense like Tony Allen, it would also be a much different story. So, I mean, Damian Lillard, pull up threes, like, yes. You know, Mike Conley, fundamental defense, no. I don't know. Um, And then, of course, Westbrook. And instead of Gordon Hayward, I want Carl Anthony Towns. I mean, mm-hmm. he's like eighth in the league in player efficiency. He has like four assists and 12 rebounds and two blocks and a point and a half. I mean, Carl Anthony Towns is something to watch. And uh, he's had every bit the season that people thought he was going to have when they were like, oh, God, the Timberwolves are going to be ridiculous. The only difference is that Wiggins is yet to round into form. And I don't think that that's his fault necessarily. Um, or, or rather, I don't think that it's never going to happen. I do think it's his fault. Um, but Carl Anthony Towns is, is not the issue. So, um, also Gregory Dang is terrible. So, uh, <laughs> I, I think Carl Anthony Towns is an all-star. One of the best players in the league should be in this game. Uh, and then the reason I'm replacing Hayward instead of Gobert, uh, we're going to talk about this later, but Gobert is responsible for what's going on in Utah. Go like Gordon Hayward's nice. He's really good. Um, if it was a different league, I would have him in the all-star game, but Rudy Gobert is the best center in the league, so he needs to be in the all-star game. Yeah, and he's criminally underrated, which is what we're going to talk about in just a little bit. Um, but yeah, the thing with the all-star game is that, um, like, obviously, uh, the coaches don't consider, like, who's going to be, like, the, the most fun to watch in the game, but, you know, fans, from the fan perspective, like, People tune into the All Star Game not, you know, wanting like great defense or you know fundamentals. They're coming to watch a great show, and you know that's the thing. Like obviously, that's why it's a big reason why I want to see Embiid in the game and guys like Towns who are just more exciting and flashy. But it's a balance between you know having fun watching the game or you know who's the right person for the game itself or who should be rewarded for their great play. So, right, it's a tough tough balance sometimes. Um, but yeah, so those are our reserves for the All-Star Game in our full-court press segment. And now we're going to move on to our prediction segment called the Half-Court Heave. 10, 9, 8, 7, 6, 5, 4, 3, 2, 1. And now, the Half-Court Heave. My prediction this week, and I don't know if you have an, a different one or, or a comment on mine, is that the 76ers will pass both the Knicks and the Magic in the standings by the end of the season. You've already hinted that they're going to make the playoffs. Um, I mean, they're only one game back of the Magic. They're only two and a half games back of the Knicks. Um, They're getting Ben Simmons back, hopefully sooner rather than later. Um, We know that the Knicks may and, you know, obviously should blow things up. And if they do, that'll obviously change, you know, their second half of the season uh, fortunes. And then the Magic have been killed by injuries recently and also are always included in in trade rumors. Um, Didn't they uh, they just offer the uh, the Heat? Uh, Vucevic in a first rounder for Dragic. Um, yeah, I don't know. I, I've I don't. heard Dragic to the Magic as a thing, and I like that. But um, and yeah, you know, speaking of which, I think that that if the if the Magic or the Knicks are going to rewrite the course, then a move is going to happen, and the one that needs to happen for the Knicks is moving Carmelo, and I don't see that happening. But the Magic could you know move things around and have a more balanced roster. Don't think it's going to happen. I think Hannah gets an idiot. Yeah, uh, yeah. He, he's his time in the front office has just got to be sh- cut down immediately now. I mean, he's got to be near the end of his reign. The way that the Magic have been in the past couple of seasons, 
um, especially their past offseason. Um, so you so you're predicting that the 76ers will make the playoffs this season? I think so. Um, so who do who do they replace? Well, I mean, it's just like someone, you know, uh, I, I think that, you know, this is pretty much what the 76ers have been able to do over the last 10 games. Um, I think that this is pretty much what the Sixers are right now. Um, I think that they're a top three defense, right? If you have Joel Embiid, you have a point guard who's willing to fight over screens and you have huge part underrated Robert Covington who's an elite weak side defender, which like I didn't see coming, but it's a real thing. Like he's essentially, um, except in a different way, uh, what Serge Ibaka was for the thunder run instead of like blocking shots, he's starting turnovers and digging and just sort of disrupting shots. But I mean, he's really great. He's really a great weak side defender. So if anything is, you know, keeping Embiid from getting out on a contest, then Embiid can stay back and defensively, you know, Covington can get that. It's just going to be so hard for them to fall out of the top five in terms of defense if Embiid is playing. So, um, and then, you know, Ben Simmons, right? When he comes back, the Sixers get something that they desperately needed. And so the question becomes their offense. And I think that Ben Simmons will be able to run a really good offense alongside Embiid. You have a four or five pick and roll and just competent three point shooters. I think that that will be really good. The question is the offense though. I mean, don't you believe in the defense? Yeah. I mean, the defense is pretty easy to believe in, especially if Embiid's minutes are going to go up in the second half, maybe not by much, but you know, the extra couple of minutes you get from Embiid, Maybe the extra couple of games you get from not resting them on back-to-backs. I'm not sure if they're going to keep the whole back-to-back thing for the whole season, or maybe after the All-Star break they, you know, let them play some of the back-to-backs um, fully through, and you know that makes a significant difference right there because there are games. I mean, when you don't have Embiid, just forget about it basically. So uh, if they let Embiid play more back-to-backs, that those are other games that they can be competitive in, um, and they've been pretty good in the clutch recently. Um, so listen, I, I believe in the Sixers. I don't know if they have enough to get to the AC, but I mean, the Eastern Conference is just such a, uh, I mean, it's basically a crapshoot right now for positions five through 10, basically. Um, Yeah, uh, you know, and I think that if you're the Sixers, you have to seriously consider bringing back Simmons because Simmons is part of your long-term core and you need to definitively make the right decision on Jaleel and Nerlens. So if you... I mean, if you get to the off season, you can still maybe like make a draft day trade or something like that uh, for Nerlens Noel, um, or or just take a, take the L on Nerlens. Um, but before the off season happens, they need to know how all of these centers work together and who they need to move and who they need to keep. So I think Simmons is coming back, and if that happens, then I believe so. Yeah. All right. So we got to see what happens with Ben Simmons. Um, all right, so that was our half-court heat prediction segment. And now we'll move into our kind of second quasi-main segment, our three points. And now, here are the three points. The first point I want to make is that Kawhi Leonard will finish in the top three of MVP voting this season. Can, can I actually throw this off course just for a second? I want to ask you about something that I was thinking about. All right. Okay, so if you're the Blazers, what do you say if I'm the Sixers and I say, okay, we'll give you Robert Covington, uh, or actually we'll give you Dario Saric, Nerlens Noel, and I mean next year's first rounder. 
for uh, CJ McCollum. My bad. <laughs> uh, uh, <laughs> um, yeah, I read this in a. I think it was Kevin O'Connor who wrote this for The Ringer. Uh, this kind of Noel McCollum swap, obviously with the Sixers giving more uh, in return. I mean, so it's Noel, Saric, and a first rounder. Yeah, and then first rounder. Yeah, yeah. Okay, for McCollum. And for McCollum straight up and straight McCollum up? and whoever you want to give away. Man, I don't know. That's tough because I mean, depending on how the Sixers do, their their own twenty seventeen first rounders not not a surefire like top five anymore, especially if they do what we're predicting to make the playoffs. Um, right. So that's that throws a whole other loop in that trade. Um, I mean, if I'm the Blazers, do I believe enough in Noel? to kind of solve those defensive issues completely or at least enough where I, we can, you know, be back to being a solidly above 500 team. Um, so what about this year's first rounder? This year's first rounder. I honestly found the Blazers and the way that, I mean, we're only going off basically, they played 46 games. So I'm basically you know, last season was above expectations. This season, 46 games, they've been well below expectations. So we have serious doubts about the McCollum-Lillard backcourt moving forward defensively. Um, you know, I mean, now that I look about it, actually, the Blazers only have the 12th offense. So even offensively, that you know their team isn't doing as well as you would probably expect from that kind of backcourt. So honestly, I, I think I would actually make that trade. I really think so. Yeah. If I'm the Blazers. And if I'm the 76ers, honestly, like I start to say, okay, well, no, well, then fine, I'll add Robert Covington or fine, like we'll make it this year. If I'm the Blazers, I'm willing to be flexible because CJ on the 76ers, um, I think you're right, it was Kevin O'Connor. Um, but like CJ on the Sixers just makes so much sense. It really does. It would be such a great addition for the Sixers. I mean, right, right. God. And, and that, that could be a treat. <laughs> that could be a trade that actually works out well for both teams. I doubt it happens, but hey, it's possible. You never know. Um, yeah, yeah. If only Sam Hinkie was still around, but uh, that's a whole <laughs> other discussion. Um, okay, okay so, all right, all right. Three points. <laughs> My <yeah>. bad. <laughs> um, back to uh, okay. So Kawhi will finish in the top three of MVP voting. So as I said in the beginning of the show, I think like before the season, a lot of people had Kawhi as like a top three MVP candidate, kind of under the radar. A lot of people expected Durant and Curry to cancel each other out, basically, and weren't sure if Harden and or Westbrook would have enough wins to be legitimate candidates. Um, though I think that kind of whole win segment, uh, wins kind of rule, quote unquote, um, is kind of thrown out the window, basically, with the numbers they're putting up. But after the first couple of, of weeks of the season, kind of Kawhi just like, kind of fell down. Um, the Spurs weren't that good defensively to start the season. Now they're back to. Um, being an elite defense, basically third in the league, um, and Kawhi still providing that good defense. Um, but he's emerged as a scorer. He's averaging a career-high 25 points per game. Spurs are on pace for 65 wins, which is only, I think, I think they had 67 last year. Uh, if I'm, I'm not yeah, 67. So, I mean, they lose Duncan. They replace him with Gasol. They're still basically almost on pace for the same amount of wins. Um, the only problem with him finishing in the top three of MVP voting is, like, who would he replace in the top three? I mean, you've got Harden, Westbrook, You've got KD and LeBron basically fighting for that third spot. I mean, could Kawhi, you know, conceivably replace KD or LeBron? I mean, I think so, but I honestly, I kind of have doubts too. 
I mean, that. well, Pau Gasol went down with a broken finger, right? So yeah. there's going to be a little while while Kawhi, or a little while that Kawhi needs to carry a bit more of the scoring load than he was before. Um, and if the Spurs were a team that wanted Kawhi to score 30 points a game, it's not that I don't doubt that he could. I think that the MVP this year is basically a question of whether or not Harden or Westbrook differentiates one from the other, whether that's the Rockets getting 60 wins. I feel like you have to give it to Harden then, or if it's like, you know, the, the Rockets fall back a little bit and Westbrook has a triple double at the end of the year. And they're like the fifth or fourth seed, the thunder. If one of those two can differentiate themselves, then they win. Otherwise I think LeBron. Yeah. And I think the media would, I I don't remember who it was. It might've been Zach Lowe on a podcast before the season, I think who said something about like the media kind of somewhat like rewarding LeBron from his play in the finals, like that, that kind of carryover, like kind of, um, I want to say like kind of storyline of LeBron, like reasserting himself as the best player in the league and the media, like now rewarding him for that, you know, after giving Curry the two time MVP, one of them was unanimous. Um, and like giving, I mean, uh, really, I feel like it's a trope that everyone says, well, if you give it to the best player in the league, it's always LeBron. Um, but if you give it to, it's like there's context and stuff like that. And I think that if Harden or Westbrook, you know, does make do that thing that puts them over the edge, right? You know, then then one of them probably deserves it. But if that doesn't happen, I mean, he deserves Derrick Rose's trophy. He deserves Steve Nash's <laughs> trophies, or one of them. Um, like I, I, I mean, if I had a vote, I would probably at this point give it to maybe Harden, but probably LeBron. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I have a little bit of bias, but I would give it a Harden. I think LeBron would be my number. I, I think LeBron would be my number two, really. Um, How good do you think that the uh, Rockets would be if you had LeBron instead of Harden? Uh, so let's see. I think that they're on pace for like 59 wins right now. I think if you put LeBron instead of Harden, they probably win like five extra games. Five to seven. Would they be the ended. favorite in the West, though? I mean, maybe. Ooh, uh, you know, they they might actually. They they honestly might. Yeah. No, I mean, no. Well, I I wouldn't put them as the favorite over the Warriors. I definitely would put them over the Spurs, and I'd put them at like kind of like a crapshoot with the Warriors. Yeah. I I mean, like you, dude, LeBron James. Come on. <laughs> it's, I, it's LeBron. It's I, LeBron. I and, and I think that actually, you know, Tyron Lue is going to do a little bit once it comes time to vote. I think Tyron Lue is going to be like, you know, sort of standing for LeBron. Like, you know, he should win the MVP every year and anything that LeBron says or any, anything that anyone says about LeBron is going to get media coverage. And I think at the perfect time, the Cavs are going to start like trumpeting LeBron as the winner. Um, And, you know, I think LeBron's probably smart to do that. And he normally does the smart thing because if he's going to win another MVP, it's going to be this year. And look, he's the best player in the league and there's no question. And, you know, good for Russell Westbrook and Harden's awesome. I think that, you know, statistically he certainly deserves the award, but I mean, he blocked Andre. How did he even get to Andrew Dulles layup? (laughs) He's amazing. Yeah, Yeah, he really is. I mean, yeah, as you said, it's just going to be basically, it basically comes down to Harden or Westbrook doing something, whether it's their team, like the Rockets winning 60 games, I think that Harden could actually win the MVP if they win like 58 or above, um, but especially if they win 60 games or the Thunder, if Russ continues averaging a triple-double 
and they sneak into the fifth seed or they get really hot and get to the fourth seed, which I, I don't think will happen, but it's possible. You never know. Right. Um, so if those things happen, then I think Russell Harden gets it. Otherwise, I would give it to LeBron probably too. Um, but let's move on to a team that LeBron might face in the playoffs, the Boston Celtics. Our second or my second point is that the Celtics aren't a contender until they make a trade. Um, and I mean a contender for the Eastern Conference Finals. I'm not, not even bothering to mention the finals because no one's going to beat LeBron um, and the Cavs. Uh, but the, the Celtics are 28th in rebound percentage. They're 21st in defense. Um, I know they're 7th in offense, but I mean, did anyone really expect them to be bottom third in defense going into the season? Um, and the reason I say they, I mean, they have to make a trade is because they don't have, like, they're not the Bucks who have, like, um, five years before their players really, like, get into their prime years, basically. Al Horford turns 31 in June. I mean, the, the guy's not, like, 26 anymore. Um, you know, you're not going to wait to see, wait and see until you can make a trade when Al Horford's not in his prime basically as soon as next year. Um, what? Why not? I don't, I don't, I don't really, if I was a Celtics, I wouldn't want to wait. Like, would you want to wait until Horford's 33 to, to, and then you have to, well, first of all, I didn't even mention you have to open up the books for Isaiah Thomas in what, two seasons. I think his contract runs out. Why? (laughs) Why don't you pick Markel Fultz with the Nets pick this year and then get the Nets pick again the year after and the Nets pick again the year after and move forward with like Marcus Smart and uh, if if uh, Brown or if Young work out, if either one works out, then like that's awesome. Um, if uh, I mean Marcus Smart, I really believe in, but I think he should probably be a two guard. You know, sell Bradley for even more young talent. Sell like sell Bradley and Crowder for anyone. I think that the the Celtics are sort of frustrated with the rest of the league. Because everyone's saying like, oh, well, their picks don't really matter. We'll see if it matters or not. Like when they get the number one pick three years in a row. Like, I mean, I think that they can wait. And if the superstar trade doesn't happen, I really want it to be boogie. Then they should wait. Uh, Yeah, I I I agree with that. If they don't, if they're making a trade, it should be for a star. Uh, But if you're going to rely on such young talent for the foreseeable future, you know, do you want to rely on young talent to win? big games in the playoffs to become a contender. I mean, that's, that's the, the question or problem I would have with relying on the young talent as opposed to making a trade if they can. Obviously, we're speculating because we don't know if there are any, you know, actual stars like Butler or Cousins or someone like that actually on the market. But, I mean, as we talked about before, the Kings are about to go down into a serious tailspin and you never know what the Kings could do. But, I mean, relying on young talent to win in the playoffs would be a tough sell for me. Well, I mean, it's just... You know, the thing is that first, if there was any way to get Jimmy Butler, I think that they should have pushed the chips further into the table. Um, you know, wh- when it came time that the Bulls were like, oh, wait, we could get this uh, Chris Dunn guy. Um, and I mean, I think that something went wrong. You know, um, if they needed to trade two Brooklyn picks, then they should have done that. Um, yeah. You know, like whatever you whatever you needed to do. I mean, I, I get that Danny Ainge wants to be like, donald trump art of the deal but at at this point like you know honestly though but if the deal's not there then the deal's not there i think that they're being patient they don't want to sell their souls for second rate guys they want the perfect situation to fall together and personally i think that you know they could put together with all of their assets if they trade guys like bradley and crowder for young pieces to fill out the core if they you know, traded Al Horford, you know, like whatever you can trade him now. He's on your team. Then, 
you could put together a fearsome team for five years down the road. And listen, man, this is a team. The Celtics have 17 championship banners. They like, they're not like the city of Memphis. They don't hang banners when they get to the Eastern conference finals. They, they don't hang banners when they get to the finals either. They, the only thing that they hang in the Raptors is championship banners. And that's the only thing that they're interested in doing. And if they don't think that they can put together a team now that can do it, then I think they're willing to wait. Yeah, I mean, I, I think they should wait until the right opportunity comes up. I would just hope that if they don't get the right opportunity um, in the foreseeable future, like the next you know year or two years maybe, um, I just hope that you know Ainge doesn't get desperate or like the fans don't get desperate or craving a trade, a significant trade with you know people questioning what are you going to do with all these assets and then they make a trade for like a second-rate guy who you know they're kind of desperate. I hope that never happens, but... I agree they can wait. They have they have so many assets. I mean, this team has so many assets. They just got to wait for us. One star player is going to get on the market soon. And I mean, I mean, you know, another thing worth mentioning, too, is like, you're right. Isaiah Thomas is, is nasty, right? But um, imagine if Isaiah Thomas was Steph Curry last year. If you put Isaiah Thomas on the Warriors and put them in the finals against the Cavaliers. LeBron would have had 60 every night because it always would have been LeBron versus Isaiah, Kyrie versus Isaiah. Like you can't have Isaiah on the court and have yeah. a good defense. That that to yeah. me is, is sort of the bottom line. And I I think that that's just that's just the bottom line. Like if I was the Celtics, um I mean, I would probably be poking at the Wizards. What what I hope happens is that they're poking at the Wizards and like look at how I know John Wall's amazing, but look at how great Isaiah Thomas is. And plus, we'll give you all this other stuff. So like, figure out how to get John Wall. John Wall on that Celtics team is right. And Ooh. then go to the Kings and say, I know Boogie's good, but Markel Fultz. <laughs> yeah, you know, yeah. but like I know Boogie's good, but Markel Fultz and Al Horford and mm. Marcus yeah. Smart. Like, yeah. just sell your soul to get John Wall. Uh, you know, Horford, Boogie, Crowder on the same team. Uh, yeah. Like, yeah. whatever. You put Air Bud at shooting guard and they're going to get to the finals. Like, whatever. <laughs> yeah. Honestly, the Celtics have so many possibilities in the future. I just hope that one of those, one or two of those star players get on the market. And, uh, all right, let's move to the third point. We already talked about him before as an all star reserve. Rudy Gobert has quickly, I think, become one of the most underrated players in the league. Almost every time I. I hear or even talk with someone about the, the top five centers. They quickly name like everyone, but Rudy Gobert. Uh, the guy's putting up basically 13 points per game, 13 rebounds per game, two and a half blocks per game, shooting 67% from the field. He has a 129 offensive rating, a 98 defensive rating, a 5.3 box plus minus. I mean, I could just run through all these numbers and I mean, they're just, they're shocking. They're jaw dropping. Basically um, right now I would give him defensive player of the year. Um, do, would you would you give him defensive player of the year right now? Yeah, I think at this point you have to. Um, I think that now that the Grizzlies aren't the best defense in the league, you have to give it to him. And you know, the only guy who I think is is possible for contention is uh, Marcus All. But now the Grizzlies. I mean, if Marcus All, if you give it to Marcus All, they have to be the best defense in the league uh, because. I mean, statistically, Gobert is the defensive player of the year. And, you know, frankly, it's like, it's not quite generational, but maybe once 
every year there's one guy in the draft who can guarantee you that on one side of the ball or the other, you'll have a top five offense or a top five defense. If you have Steph Curry, you're going to have a top five offense. If you have Kevin Durant, you probably will too. (laughs) So there's that. Um, And I mean, I don't think that there, there might not be anyone else in the league. I mean, Paul George is struggling to hold the defense up in Indiana. It's not like you can just put whoever you want, but I firmly believe that if you put Rudy Gobert on the trailblazers, they would have a top five defense and that is powerful. Yeah. Do you think that if you, do you think Draymond Green's one of those guys, if you have him on your team, you have a top five defense? Maybe. Yeah. Uh, I think, I, I mean, think maybe. Uh, I, I think, I don't know. That's that's hard. <laughs> that's hard that's to hard, say. Right? I think that if, I mean, can you imagine him on a team that that's like really bad and he has to shoulder more of an offensive load? The Trailblazers I mean, are the worst defense in the league, but I mean, you you get a Minu and Gobert. Like it's just the thing with having a center like Rudy Gobert is your guard defense is going to look so good because you can just you can just like be a comet and just fly at whoever's on the three-point line and contest, just absolutely commit to the contest. Because, you know, if you, if, if you can chase people off of the line, off of the three-point line, and they get into the mid-range area, then fine, take an 18-foot pull-up, take a 20-foot pull-up. But if you get any closer, Gobert's going to block you. Yeah, forget about it. Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. So, I mean, uh, Gobert is easily in the top five centers for me. Um, I mean, if I had to do a ranking, I mean, in no order, I'd have to throw in Boogie Cousins. I'd probably put in Gasol, obviously Gobert. Who am I forgetting on this top five centers list? Uh, I mean, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, Joel so, Embiid. I mean, <laughs> listen, by the end of the year, I, I honestly, I would be making that case probably. Car Anthony Towns, just remembered, but he's texting, whatever. Yeah. Anthony Davis, I guess you count. He played some minutes at center. Um, so, yeah, Gobert is, but Gobert is becoming underrated, kind of like, I mean, I think that Paul Millsap's like still underrated, but like we used to talk about Paul Millsap as that guy. Like, like every time he be announced as an All Star, be like Paul Millsap, and then people would be like, "Yeah, he's like one of the most underrated players." I think in you know moving forward from now, Gobert is going to replace Millsap as that kind of like criminally underrated player in the league. Yeah, I mean, like I said, I I think that there's a real argument to be made, and I might make it that Gobert's the best center in the league already right now. Yeah, I, I probably. I could probably make that argument. I wouldn't feel confident making it right now, but I feel like, I mean, very soon. I think it's either him or Anthony Davis. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I could see that. Um, I might have to give it to Davis right now, but I could definitely see myself making that argument in like a couple of months, maybe, maybe by the end of this year for that soon. But yeah. So those are are the three points uh, in today's edition of the 94 Feet Report. And now we're going to move on to our next segment, Something Foul. Now it's time for Something Foul. And uh, if you guys don't know what Something Foul is, basically it's replacing our Worst of the Week segment. So someone, something, some organization, some front office personnel who has done wrong, uh, basically in my eyes, but... Uh, this week, I wanted to talk about just Warriors domination because I mean we talked about it in the beginning of the show with the Warriors. They blew out the Cavs, the uh, Thunder, and the Rockets all on national TV all in the same week. Um, I mean, it's been talked enough. It's been talked about enough, the Warriors domination, but it's really just a killer when the Warriors blow out these big national TV games. I mean, it happened three times this week, all against playoff teams, including two 
teams that people would consider contenders, the Cavs and the Rockets, um, and some would consider, I guess, the Thunder some contenders. Uh, and like the Warriors super team and dominance is, is like good for the league overall. It, it attracts attention. Uh, people tune in to see the Warriors. Some of them tune in to see the Warriors lose. Sometimes people tune in to see the Warriors win, whatever. Uh, but honestly, in my opinion, it's just not fun or good for fans, especially casual fans, to turn into these big national TV games that are promoted for like weeks in advance just to tune into the game and see a blowout by the halftime or by the end of the first quarter. Um, which is why the Warriors' domination is something foul this week for me. Um, I mean, how do you feel about just watching Warriors' domination, especially on national TV games? Uh, I I could not possibly disagree more. Warriors are must-watch basketball. Like, they're incredible. Like, it's a spectacle. It's amazing. On any given night, they might go out and score 170 points. I'm waiting (laughs) for that to happen. Like, would you be shocked if you just, like, checked your phone after going to bed early and woke up and like had a billion notifications and bleacher report blowing up your phone. And it's like warriors drop 170 on the blazers or just some <laughs> crappy team. Like they could do it. Right. I mean, if they, had, they clay Thompson got 60 points and he didn't play in the fourth quarter. <laughs> he only dribbled like 13 times, like 11 times or something. Yeah. I mean, he could have, he could have scored 80. He could have scored over 81. I mean, yeah, the Warriors yeah. are amazing, and it's amazing to watch. And, you know, it's like it's like watching Michael Jordan, right? Like, it's like, you know, people remember watching Michael Jordan, and yeah, they killed everyone, and they won every year. But, like, that wasn't boring. It was like, oh, God, what is Michael going to do this year? I'll tell you what, it sucks for everyone else. But as a fan <laughs> of basketball, then you got to love the Warriors. As a fan of any team that isn't the Warriors, like what, you know, yeah, it sucks. Like I'm they, sorry. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it sucks. I mean, I'm just looking at it from like the perspective Well, there are two sides to it. I think if you're like a casual fan and you tune into the game, you love watching the Warriors play because it's beautiful, fun basketball. But on the other hand, you're a casual fan tuning into it, like a Cavs Warriors game, hoping to see a really good matchup. And yeah, the Cavs, you know, the Cavs basically when they don't want to play, they don't want to play and it's going to turn into a blowout. But I mean, it's just, I think it could be kind of a, a mood killer in a way um, when the Warriors just blow out these like contenders for, for you know, around them. Uh, I'm not saying it's not fun to watch the Warriors themselves, but I think it'd be better if the Warriors could have their beautiful basketball in the middle of a really close, fun game down to the wire. Like um, I really like that, that Rockets Warriors game, I think it was early December was like one of the best games of the year. And it wasn't that beautiful to watch, but I mean, that's a time where the balance is perfect between having fun watching the Warriors and having fun watching a really close game. So, and I mean, I mean the Warriors, that, yeah. Yeah. I mean, the Warriors are good for the league. I mean, the, the, their dominance and, you know, the kind of super team just like attracts, just naturally attracts attention, whether it's from, you know, haters or like casual fans who just are bandwagoners. But I don't know. I don't think it's great for them to blow out so many national TV games. You know, every once in a while, I'll just keep it close. You know, like, I've never seen the arena in Washington, D.C. more full on any game than when the Wizards face the Warriors. Mm-hmm. You know? like, and, yeah. and I've never seen the Bucks arena louder than when they oh, broke yeah. the Warriors streak last year. You know? Mm-hmm. It's like, you know, if you have 80 David versus Goliath, Goliath chances, you know, if you have like 80 times, 82 times over the course of a season that like your team, the underdog can like, topple the Warriors, 
then you're going to show out for every single one of them, and it's eventually going to happen, and it's going to be great. Um, I mean, it essentially happened in the finals last year because of Steph Curry's bum knee and, you know, Draymond's nut-kicking propensity. <laughs> I mean, it, it's just like, you know, there's, there's always a chance, but yeah, yeah. I mean, like, if what you want is parody, you know, then, then the Warriors are bad. But I, I like watching the Warriors even if they come out and just stomp all over someone. I, I yeah. it's amazing. Like they, they had this moment, the, uh, about like two months ago where Steph Curry threw this alley-oop pass to Kevin Durant from beyond mm-hmm. half court. Right. Yeah. And I was just like, that was, that's stupid. That's stupid. And it was <laughs> wow. incredible. It was, it was like the best basketball play I've ever seen. Um, and it was super exciting and I want to be able to watch that personally. Um, yeah. you know, and then the other side too is like even in a blowout, it's still fun to watch the Warriors because they're just executing so perfectly and you know playing great defense, playing great offense, and they're fun to watch and they've got so many stars and stuff like that. So I don't know. We'll see what happens the rest of the, of the way if they keep blowing out national TV games. Um, and now we can move on to our final segment of the show, the and one. for the M1. Which is basically a segment where we like basically predict or not predict, basically uh, point out something to keep your eye on. Um, and this week, I think it's pretty uh, fair if we said to keep your eye on the Knicks, who obviously have the rumors of trading Mellow, but in between that, you've got Courtney Lee Instagramming Dumb and Dumber posts when they bench him. Uh, I think it was Derek Rose telling, you know, asking or demanding Hornacek to get, you know, get on them more for defense. Um, you got Porzingis' injury issues. Um, so the Knicks this week have three games at Indiana, at Dallas, and then home against the Hornets. Uh, you know, if they go one or two, one and two, or zero oh and three, I think it's very possible to make trades. I doubt it'll be mellow, um, though he did say something about he's willing to remove his no trade clause if the Knicks want him to leave or something like some, something like that, just for the media to swallow up. Um, and I doubt they trade mellow, but you could see them trading guys like Courtney Lee. I don't know. Maybe they don't want to re-sign Derrick Rose and they trade him. Some desperate team will just take Derrick Rose probably. Um, but I think you have got to keep your eye on the Knicks. And also, it's just, I mean, in my opinion, I think it's always just entertaining just how, how, how much can go wrong in like one season. How much can go wrong in one season for the Knicks? I mean, it's just been a tire fire since they started off like 14 and 10 or something. Yeah. Uh, you know, there's this, there's this quote from a league exec and I don't remember whose name it is, but I think he um, was like the bulls GM uh, after Michael Jordan. And he said, you know, if you want a good basketball team, you either have to have good basketball or good drama. Right. <laughs> Cause I mean, people, I mean, people pay attention to what's going on with the Knicks pretty much just as much as they pay attention to what's going on with the warriors. Um, and like Knicks arenas are full, right? Uh, yeah. And I said that recently about the Bulls, where you know you, you're going to make money and be entertaining in the same way that you know uh, you you stare at a car accident when you're driving by. <laughs> you know, like uh, you know, I mean, I don't know. Yeah, it's like how big can this tire fire get? Because I mean, the only way of resolving it is trading Mellow, and if you trade Mellow, then they're not a spectacle anymore. 
you know like people yeah, want to go watch mellow for some reason you know for yeah for some reason that's beyond me at this point in his career but uh also just phil jackson is also a, a, an issue i mean besides porzingis i mean what what great moves has he really done in his tenure i mean the joakim noah contract is is already a disaster and that still has three more years on it courtney lee has been fine i mean he's also i think he's over 30 now and he still has three more years I mean the Derek the Derek Rose trade. The best player in that deal was was uh, Robin Lopez. I don't know. Um, I like that deal. I think it was a good bet. I think it was good. I mean, I think it was a fine deal. I wouldn't. I, I'm, not, I'm not praising Jackson for that, but I'm not going to kill him for that one. I, I guess um, my reasoning with that deal is like, you know, nothing matters right now. Anyways, it only matters about what's going to happen when Chris Stapps is good enough that he can be the superstar on a contending team, and like. So who's going to be more valuable potentially down the line four years from now? Robin Lopez when he's like 35 or Derek Rose when he's like 30? Yeah, but then the question is, I mean, the issue with Rose now is what are they, what, if they're going to pay him, what are they going to pay him? In the no, I mean, you don't pay him. Like, but like, yeah. whatever, you, you took a swing at a pinata of having a really good player next to Porzingis who actually mattered down the line and like... You know, whatever. Kylo Quinn right now is probably better than Robin Lopez. So Kylo Quinn, yeah, I like Kylo Quinn. <laughs> Can't deny that. Um, so yeah, I mean, I don't know. I mean, I would hope that the Knicks would make a trade, especially one. I mean, the thing with Melo is, you know, he has that no trade clause, so he can probably only waive it if he's going into it. He basically the team of his choice. Um, I mean, who would those teams be? The Clippers, who probably wouldn't want to give up Blake. The Cavs, I mean, what are the Cavs going to do to trade for Melo? Do they even want Melo at this point? Probably, I wouldn't trade for him if I was the Cavs. Like, who are those teams that would even trade for Melo is the, is the real question, I guess. I mean, I keep thinking about something that is based around uh, moving um, Jamal Crawford and Austin Rivers and just anyone who's young. Uh, and every if they have one pick left, then, like, that pick, every pick that the Clippers have left for Carl or for Carmelo, and then like take a take a swing at it with, uh, uh, you know, DeAndre Jordan, Blake Griffin, Carmelo Anthony, JJ Redick, and Chris Paul. Because, and the reason why I like this is because the only moments when anyone has actually liked Melo, um, in terms of like yeah. the way that he plays, is Olympic Melo. Mm-hmm. And, and that's what you would get on a yeah, different team yeah. with other stars around him. Like if you played in Cleveland, if you played in LA, other teams where there are just stars around him, yeah, people would people would like watching Melo. He'd be more efficient. He I would mean, he would great. pass like he, he, would, he yeah he would yeah. be engaged and in, into it. He'd have a you know he'd have a real shot at playoff. He wouldn't put up stupid shots. Teams. Like I think he knows. I think he would respect the fact that JJ Redick wide open in the corner is better than some stupid mid-range jump shot. Because, like, Olympic Melo gets to the basket and he shoots threes. Um, mm-hmm. And he makes good passes. And I think he would actually respect his teammates. So, Yeah. So, honestly, I just hope the Knicks make some trades. I mean, I don't think they'll ever be able to get a trade for Joakim Noah um, that would actually get them something in return um, at this point. Um, they could potentially, if they didn't want to hold on to Courtney Lee, they could trade him. And I don't know what they would get in return. Um but yeah, it's keep your eye on the Knicks because they could clearly, I mean, they're already collapsing now, so it's only probably a matter of time before they make some kind of deal and who knows what Phil ja- how long Phil Jackson, you know, wants to stay in New York and really how long of his leash he has in New York anyways. 
Um, so yeah, that'll conclude our and one segment of today's episode of the 94 Feet Report, and that'll conclude our show. Uh, Chris, I want to thank you for joining us today. Yeah, absolutely, man. It was good talking. Um, uh, yeah, I mean, <laughs> if you want to uh, throw out your Twitter handle um, so people can follow you there. Just yeah, if you're not already following me, what's wrong with you? you? Follow, you at <laughs> follow, yeah, at follow at Almighty Ballin. Follow at Almighty Ballin. Um, and if you want updates on everything going around the network, follow at ABPN Podcasts and uh, check out what's going on at almightyballer.com. Also, blog talk radio forward slash ABPN. Um, I really enjoy my show. I host it. So there's a certain degree to which that has to be true. But every podcast on the network is doing a great job. We've got 21 out of 30 NBA teams currently represented by our A team. It's only a couple of months old. Keep an eye out for it. If your team isn't there now, it'll be there within a couple of months, I promise. And, you know, I can't rush it because every podcast has to be great. And that's why you need to check out almightyballer.com. Thanks for having me, man. I appreciate it. Hey, thanks for joining us. Everyone follow Chris. Check out the Almighty Baller Podcast Network and follow me on Twitter at Eric Spiros. Yeah, go do that. All right. (laughs) 